Hey, Juventini, welcome back to the All Juve Cast channel where it's all Juve all the time. We've got our first match tackled in Syria and the first victory in Syria. And there was a just so common for a Juve game, but opinions on both sides and uh, feelings on both sides after this one. So we're going to get to it. I have Lex with me today. Lex, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks, Al. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You excited that Syria has finally returned? So excited. I think I spent most of the day yesterday watching games. So that go. was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. It was nice. I uh, was a little bit fortunate. I had two weeks off for the first time in I don't know how long. I had Christmas uh, holidays off. I had the, like the week of Christmas and then the following. And I go back and I sit down at my desk and I've got dual monitors now all of a sudden, and it was just a beautiful thing. So I was able to put the game in a nice little corner on here because I have so many windows that I have to use for work. And then they finally, I've got dual monitors. I'm like, well, this is just amazing. So no more having the game going on like a cell phone, like kind of off to the side or whatever. Had it nice on screen, can have it going while I do my work. It was a nice, nice surprise. But I still say Syria has got to sort their shit out with midweek to kick the season off again in the second half what are you doing wednesday wednesday anyways got it going a lot of good uh games um and we saw napoli drop points as uh hey we've been saying it spalletti effect just wait for it just wait for it but waiting for the second half of the season collapse there you go there you go so Seven points, seven points uh, out. That's the magic number right now for UV. We're going to say what's up to everybody in here. Fight. Bob saying ciao, AJC, OL plus three. Next, please, absolutely. Well, they're saying minus seven points to Napoli. Syria is not over yet. Game on, game on. Fino alla fine for a reason, right? Jeremiah saying welcome back, Lex. I do think it's time to change your handle, though. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jeremiah continues. He's happy for the three points. However, it was a poor performance. So we're going to get into this. Too many inconsistencies and still struggling to dominate our opponents. Not sustainable. Mr. Cappuccino. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. We are going to get to uh, the whole recap and everything like that. We're going to tackle real quick just the news circulating uh, today. And then if we choose to get into some more of these topics near the end, we'll do that as well. But uh, real quick recap for everybody. Um, Di Maria should be back for Udinese. Okay, so he should be available to uh, Allegri for Saturday's game. Um, Nico Lucy done deal to Salernitana, so he'll be heading there. McKenny. McKenny, Juve thinks they can get somewhere around the 40 million mark for McKenny. There is a lot of interest out of Premier League teams. However, the latest is Aston Villa, and it is it's expected that McKenny is also gonna reject that move. So it's gonna more be a matter of finding a team McKenny's going to accept going to Burnmouth was the first one obviously that's a relegation battling team in uh, the prem so he's rejected that one so we wait apparently 
this fullback that we all want to see and some help on the right side. This is definitely something we're going to talk about more, especially after looking at yesterday's game, Sule being the one that was put into the right wing back position. Um, we apparently do not have the funds to tackle this move in January without a sale. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. Last little tidbit here. Danilo is getting closer to his extension with Juventus and Locatelli with his with the first match of uh, 2023 and him appearing in it has triggered the obligation, the redemption, the sale. So Juve has $25 million left to pay for Locatelli and that will be uh, accepted over three years to pay that $25 million. Okay, so that is the news to today. Um, and none of it's really surprising or anything out of the uh, ordinary. Danilo getting a contract extension really rubs a lot of people the wrong way. We're going to get to that one later, and we'll talk a bit about Locatelli as well, okay? So the game, the game. It starts off, we got a nice little banner there from the Juventini for Gianluca Vialli, who continues uh, to fight. So, uh, again, in Boca Lupo to uh, Gianluca Vialli, the last captain to obviously uh, raise the Champions League for Juventus, have the photo right there above my left shoulder. And uh, it's great uh, to see uh, everybody uh, unite. And it's funny, you know, like, it's not funny. We we tweeted about it on our uh, All Juve cast main and the amount of Chelsea supporters from his time there that actually showed love and support. And uh, Viali is just a loved, loved guy. And uh, it's it's great to see everybody uh, backing him. I hope uh, all the best there. And then, of course, we had Pele. Pele, a moment of silence and tribute for Pele. So then we get to the game. Starting lineup, Lex. Did you have any issues with the starting lineup? Because we'll go through it all. And uh, there was a little confusion over Pedin and Chesney. Chesney battling that uh, neck discomfort. He ends up going in. And uh, it was Chesney starting. And then you've got uh, across the back what we expected with uh, Gatti, Bremer, Danilo. Then you had Sule playing as right wing back. McKenney. Locatelli, Fagioli with Kostic as your left wing back. And then you had Miretti and Milik up top. The starting lineup, what were your thoughts on that, Lex, going into this one? Um, honestly, like pretty excited. I thought we were playing those young guys. I thought that was exciting to see. I thought, okay, um, we were continuing that 3-5-2 shape that we had found a lot of success ending 2022 with. We were going into the new year. And the next part of the season, continuing that shape, or it was more of like a, I suppose, like a 3-5-1-1, but similar um, in that regard. And I thought, okay, Sule, I know more of a winger typically, but um, trying him out at wing back, playing a true winger more or less as a wing back and playing McKenney in the middle, playing the midfield, central midfielders in the middle, which was something we've been asking for a while. And I thought that that worked to our benefit. And... I liked Miretti in the floating role he had right underneath the striker. I thought he was able to find the ball a lot there, and he had two great chances in that first half. We'll get into that later. But in terms of the starting 11, um, given our injuries and given the guys that we had available, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if we're looking at uh, players available and everything, um, 
I liked the idea of having Moretti still out there, keeping Keane on the bench. Uh, it was reported you get Keane and Milik out there, which I still would have been fine with. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you start Keane or Milik out of the two of them, again, I'm fine with either one of them. Keane finished off uh, 2022 on an absolute tear, so I would have been fine with it. I had no problems. Sule as a right wing back, I've been saying leading up to it that uh, if we continue in the 3-5-2, I think... Like, I just think looking at him as a player, the only real solution to him is being one of the uh, that Moretti style as that higher up midfielder out of a four. I don't really see him as a wing back. I didn't see him as a wing back. And then we'll talk about his performance yesterday and whatnot. But uh, again, uh, I just I always had doubts about it. But that lineup. The one thing I that was standing out to me was the right side going into that game. Uh, McKenney playing on the right next to Sule, who's playing as a wingback, which is a bit of an unknown to us. And then also having Gatti as the one behind there. So I would have felt more comfortable with Danilo on that right side behind McKenney and Sule. The reason I have issues with McKenney being the guy next to Sule there is because positionally McKenney seems to be kind of all over the map. And we'll talk about the performance and the game and everything and what ended up going down. But that the only thing is then, then you start thinking about Gatti hasn't played the left side of a three center back system. So Danilo naturally can play right or left side. So Max is kind of playing percentages there. So it, it, it really is what it is. I can't really blame him too much on any of it. Ultimately, we are talking about Cremonese, who doesn't have a victory in Serie A, has only scored 11 goals in 15 games. We have to be serious, and I stand behind what we said on the match day live. That was more than enough in what who he played, how he deployed them. That should be more than enough. Um, you know, now we'll get to the actual game and the minutes and everything that happened. So. 15th minute and a very, very scary scenario as Sule misreads. A ball, you can't let that one bounce. He's got uh, Dessers behind him, and he flicks it on over Chesney. Bremer ends up uh, saving it with what looks like just before the ball crosses the line, whatnot, but ruled offside. There's another moment in there where Dessers actually puts one in the back of the net uh, right around that early frantic start was what seemed like a frantic start uh, back and forth, whatnot. Um, and uh, ruled out again for a foul ahead of there. That was kind of unknown. Everybody's kind of looking at that play like, what's going on? What are they calling back? I think they ended up calling handball when it didn't call handball. But there was a foul there as well. It was a little bit of a mess, that opening uh, start of that game, frantic. But again, you know, we're we're looking at these plays, and Sule's going to take some heat for that. But again, he's... It's just not a right wing back and yeah. the amount of defensive duty there. He found himself in a, in a moment where he's got to play that ball. And I don't know what the call was behind him from Chesney. If Chesney's yelling and he decides he's going to, he's going to let it go or whatnot. Yes. It was offside on the goal that he flicked over, but the goal that earlier that the ball actually went into the net. Lex knows the play I'm talking about. Yeah. He puts it in. That's the one that was a little bit in question when you're watching it. So Yeah. It was way after the whistle, but yeah. it was still a little bit shaky. And I think Bremer did get to that first one, the one that the was The first one, over. it looked like Bremer got to. It looked like he got to it, it which is Sule, wild. Again, 
Sule misreads that ball. He's got to step into that. You can't let that uh, bounce there again. What's the call from Tech? Nobody really knows. 19th minute, though, you see the good out of Sule because he starts taking his man on, gets a great curling effort to the back post, and Karnaseki gets uh, fingertips to it. Karnaseki, by the way, is apparently top of the list of transfers for Juve, who they want to sign in the summer and then put on loan um until Chesney's contract essentially runs out and he had a good showing so uh he's got uh Juventini now excited all of a sudden because they've heard his name all over my daily update videos for I don't know how long <laughs> but Karnaseki so Sule showing the good side of him in the attacking phase very very good there 19th minute 30th minute we uh again a great switch field um okay and it was uh Fajoli all the way over to Kostic Kostic then finding Miretti who makes the run into the top of the corner of the area there and then Miretti just about curls this one back post Karnaseki actually left uh flat-footed there there was no chance he was going to get to this thing and it dipped just behind goal for Miretti you could see the frustration in this kid's face I continue to say once Miretti gets that monkey off his back he's going to be playing so much more relaxed and he'll just be even better but um very very unfortunate i wanted him to get that one so bad and he just barely barely missed that one um 38th minute costich from way out we're talking way out <laughs> that shot was wild like he turns around and he's ripped and i'm like man you shoot from there and then you look at it and karnaseki didn't he it's almost like he lost it uh in the air or something yeah, but like yeah. that thing just goes wide of the goal and uh, i'm thinking wow i didn't expect it from there or whatnot but kostich almost puts it we end up at halftime nil nil and i want to get your thoughts at the half wow i mean it was like <laughs> it was a roller coaster of 45 minutes you know i was at their half like wow, what did I just watch? Like, we're back. You know, it's like everything you had to unpack from what went on. I thought that it was shaky at the start, which we talked about. I thought which was pretty unusual is that we looked shaky at the back. That was what was making me a little bit unnerved is that like wasn't more used to having that um, solid and confidence in the back, whereas I found that it felt a bit shaky. And especially when you said when we conceded those two I guess like half goals. They weren't really true goals, but they still put the ball in the back of the net. And um, other than that, I thought that there were some nice moments of brilliance that we saw from the young guys. I liked Miretti's chance, like you spoke about, like that's easily a highlight real goal if that's an inch lower. And then Sule, Sule just, just thought of who he was reminding me of from the wing there, Douglas Costa. With his directness and his move com moves coming in, I thought that was exciting. He had that Cruyff turn nutmeg on his defender. Um, he had yeah. a step over at one point as well. And so I thought that was that was cool, you know, to see him take his man on like that, show what he can do. As we talked about, I still don't I don't think right wing back is for him. But I thought that um, those were some of the moments that I felt were highlights from the first half. What were you thinking at the first half, Al? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I agree with a lot of it. I think it's it's funny when you uh, look over social media and stuff while the game's happening and whatnot, um, and I look at my thoughts compared to what I'm reading in reactions and whatnot, and I'm just not there. I think the start of the game, I think that whole first half really was 
kind of as expected in terms of you have a return to action after a very, very long break. We talked about the lineup and you have a little bit of a uh, lack of chemistry and you have guys in new roles. Fajoli's also hasn't played the left side and he was on the left side because McKenney was on the right side of Locatelli. So even that slight change has a bit of an effect on the pitch. Um, and Fajoli and Miretti almost, you could kind of see like we're trying to figure things out because they're used to finding each other from opposite sides and whatnot. And, uh, that took a little bit of time. McKenney, McKenney positionally still is wild to me. Uh, everybody expected McKenney to be this base to Sule. However, more often than not, McKenney was running as if he was a striker in beyond Sule and whatnot. And that's why our right side was actually the one where Cremonese was finding space earlier on to kind of come back at us and counter us. And obviously we had Sule in some uncomfortable scenarios because he hasn't had the repetitions right i still don't think he's a right wing back however it's not to say he can't be there at all ever and that he won't grow or learn from those from those scenarios but with the rust i think the rust was the biggest thing when i look at that that back line shouldn't be as shaky as it looked for periods of it and also we had a lot of errant passes okay we were turning the ball over so much and that's what gave Cremonese a lot of their actual attacking sequences but as the half grew on Cremonese got less and less threatening and Juve kind of grew into that and then we started to get more and more opportunities and attacking sequences again our passing kind of let us down in a lot of them and some decision makings and some was chemistry and rust so mm -hmm. all in all I wasn't very fired up or worried or concerned in the first half. And I ultimately expected in the second half, Juve would get the job done. I did think it would be a lot sooner than what it came down to. And we'll get to that. But I think we were seeing a combination of everything that was going on. So we'll talk about second half. Now we'll get into it. And we didn't have to wait long for some changes. It was the 55th minute and Max decides to bring in Chiesa and he brings in Keane. Sule and Fajoli were the ones to be taken out, okay? And uh, then you have Chiesa moving in to the right wing back role, okay? And uh, Keane's sliding forward and uh, Miretti's essentially dropping back um, into a mid and we're going two forward uh, scenarios. So three, five, two, three mids, two forwards and Chiesa as right wing back. We'll talk about this. So Chiesa eventually started to roam a bit and almost get this freedom thing where we kind of lost our formation altogether and kind of switched it up. And he ended up finding himself just roaming for a bit. And he was on the left side. He ended up getting to one uh, that Keen had uh, battled in a 50-50. The ball broke loose. Chiesa hits it, slashes at it with his left foot, and he just hit side netting uh, out there. I thought uh, that was for sure going to be the, the goal. Right there, unfortunately not. 66th minute, we get Paredes coming in for Miretti. And then you have Rabio coming in for McKenny. Um, I don't necessarily have any issues with those changes, but now our midfield is a little bit less attack-oriented, I felt. 
Locatelli, Paredes, Rabio. Uh, Rabio can push things physically and whatnot, but uh, and Locatelli, I'm I will die on this hill. He's not a Mitsala. He just he he isn't um, in a two man base. Yes, he can cover in Regista and whatnot, but he's not Paredes. We'll talk more on that. But that's the changes at the 66th minute. 68th minute. Cremonese again for whatever reason we're shaky at the back, but this comes this stems off another turnover. Desers actually hits the post with an absolute rocket. Okay, coming up uh, again our right side, and uh, we get fortunate there. We come back 78th minute off a corner kick, uh, header down. I believe it was Danilo or Bremer got to it. Keen scrambles, turns point blank, fires it. Karnasecki's right there. Bounces out to the top of the area. Rebound. Paredes decides he's going to shoot this ball. With I can see the defenders right there. I'm like, he doesn't have a lane. And he's he rips. You could see Chiesa at the bottom of your frame. He's waiting there, top of the area, unmarked. Unmarked as everybody's deep. Paredes has three defenders running at him. He decides I'm going to rip it right at these guys and they block it. And Gatti and Chiesa, who are further ahead of Paredes, actually are the ones that close the ground to go back there and help Locatelli. And Chiesa ends up making it an even rush and then leaves them to take this opportunity, which Chesney stops and forces a corner kick there. But my God, Paredes, the dreadful play from him just continues on in 2023. Like this, the decision-making there has to be way better. Um, it, it's mind-blowing to me there. Positive side, Chiesa was explosive on that run back. His pace, do not be afraid about this kid's pace after that knee injury. My God, he passed a guy. He was like 10 yards behind that was clocked at 35 kilometers. Think about that. So that guy that was running was clocked at 35 kilometers. Chiesa was 10 yards behind and passed him easily as if the guy was standing still. Chiesa still got the pace. Still got the pace. Um, so Cremonese, take that shot. The, the, we get a stop from uh, Tech there. 85th minute, uh, minute, Illing Jr. comes in for Kostic. 90th minute. Free kick. Milik's going to step up and he buries this thing. Okay. <laughs> he puts it just out of the reach of Karnaseki. Curling gets it through the wall. It dips low. And I'm thinking, my God, just get the hell out of this one. Okay. Let's go. Uh, I was calling for can we get the World Cup uh, nine added minutes in this thing uh, just to get this through? Milik finds the goal on a free kick. We get out of there. One nil victory. Hey. Let the uh, aftermath begin and whatnot, but let's talk about this thing as a whole now. Lex, we talked about feelings at half. We talked about starting lineup. Uh, let's talk about substitutions. Let's talk about second half. Let's talk about your feelings and then the whole game. Go ahead. Well, I turned to my brother when I was watching and we got that last minute free kick. I said, here it is. Here's our last minute set piece goal to get that one nothing uh, Corto Musa win. And sure enough, Milik scored it. I mean, it was it was a nice finish. I can't lie. And obviously saved the day for us a little bit. And first off, before I get right into the game and 
unpack everything. Three points is three points. It's good. It, it, I'm happy. It's good. It um, probably ended up faring better for the team that we played Cremonese first game back, um, especially like you mentioned, kind of dealing with a little bit of um, World Cup um, break hangover a little bit for the team. So I'm glad that it was Cremonese because I think we probably would have been punished against a stronger team. But in terms of substitutions, kind of going into the second half, um, there were some that I was a little bit uncertain about. Like, he did pull off Fajoli right away. I know I think Joe commented below that it did look like the balance of our midfield felt off when he was taken out, and I'd have to agree with that. I think I agree with you as well, Al, as you mentioned, that it felt like we were searching for a goal. It was 0-0, and it felt like we reverted to a more defensive midfield. And I did feel like we did generate less chances after that period. I felt like it was interesting from, I think it was the 65th onwards. I looked at the group on the field and I thought, this is of course a bit of speculation, but I thought, I think that this would be the 11 that Allegri sees as his ideal. I think minus Pogba. I think those guys are his ideal group, which yeah. is a little bit, um, it's a little bit disappointing because it's like, I felt that there were some sparks from the younger guys in the first half who are getting minutes, can't complain about that, but I felt that our the changes that were made reverted us back backwards and we took steps back in the game at that point. And um, yeah, Paredes is just, I'm not sure what he does or brings for us at all, which is like- Liabilities <laughs> right now, liabilities. Yeah, I think other yeah. than that, I'm not sure. Um, you look at his stats, and he's got some great, like, passing completion stats. He's just one of those players that, like, seems to pass that test, but the eye test, he just doesn't pass because it's like I'm not sure exactly what he brings to the team. But other than that, I think ultimately um, not super happy with a needing a 90th-minute free kick goal to beat Cremonese of all teams in the league, and it's it wasn't the most convincing performance. But like Al mentioned, we have to go back to the fact that we're coming off of a large break. We had guys that were out of natural positions. We had players trying to find that chemistry amongst themselves. So I definitely make sure I have to balance that viewpoint with those facts as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just point something out for Joseph uh, Randazzo. You made a great point in here on a question and stuff. We are going to tackle it. We're just going to get to it uh, later. So just giving you a heads up there. Um, in terms of this recapping look, again, same things I was feeling as I was watching it. You've got rust. You've got you know a little bit of a mishmash in terms of positioning, where guys are. Um, you have handcuffs in terms of some of your options. Uh, players and whatnot, but ultimately um, this team was in position to handle this game. I think the execution was messy and people were raging over Allegri. We're going to talk about that as well and whatnot, but for me, it wasn't. It was the guys. There was more than enough opportunities there for Juve to put this game to rest. And it just wasn't getting done. Um, you had Kostic coming off. We didn't. These are just a couple of highlights off the top of my head that we didn't even get into and discuss through the recap, which was Kostic coming in clear off the left side in the area. And I'm screaming, rip that thing back post because he had Milik and Keane running towards goal. He tried to lay it in for Milik, but he was surrounded by two defenders and they closed it down. Um, 
and it's just little things like that just weren't going our way. And it's not saying that he made a wrong decision or anything, but we had opportunities like that all over the place. Moretti found himself dead center, top of the box, and put an absolute muffin at Karnasecki. And he wanted that one back for sure. That was another great scoring opportunity. Sule had two opportunities he worked for himself off the right side that he couldn't curl behind uh, Karnasecki and whatnot. Um Keen had the point blank effort. Like there was chances all over the place. These were actual opportunities. Then you have the ones, the sequences that died because of passing. And that again came down to the execution of the players. McKenney's passing was shocking. Absolutely shocking. For me, this guy is not a guy that you utilize to uh, actually build attacks and get in there for me this guy is a base midfielder that can give you uh issues in aerial battles in the box but he's not something to build up play or make these breakthrough runs or anything like that for me he's a base midfielder and he can make trailing runs once our attack is established but including him in buildup hurts us and it hurt us tremendously because of a lot a lot of what Cremonese did to kind of hurt us yesterday was off our own errors. Um, and this is not me just spitballing out here. We had zero midfielders with a passing percentage over 80%. That's a problem in a game, okay? Um, you Like I say, you win and lose based off your midfield. We had zero midfielders with a passing percentage over 80%. The only one that might have been higher is Paredes, but... He entered the game late, and it technically doesn't really count because he came in for 20-something minutes, right? So, um, But that's that tells you right there. Like, our passing, our execution was poor. To put anything on Max Allegri, I don't think is necessarily right in this particular game. Hey, I'm not a massive Allegri guy, so this is coming from me. But yesterday, we won the possession battle. We had 19 opportunities, eight of them being on target. For me, the execution of the players in those positions needs to be better to put a team like Cremonese away. Simple, simple. Nothing Max did hurt us in that game. He put it out. You, All you can do is guide a team, put them out in a position to succeed. We were getting chances. We were getting opportunities. And for the most part of that game, I felt we were the more we were more likely to score. Yeah. It's just we get so scared every time they came back of us. We looked so shaky at the back. And that part I just put down to rust because Bremer, Danilo at the back were still good. Gatti, I don't know, yesterday looked uncharacter uncharacteristically a little bit uncomfortable. Do you agree with that, Lex? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, I think there was some criticism there and I know it's still like, I'll still chalk it up to lack of experience in the league and whatnot and still trying to um, find his footing. But I thought, yeah, I looked a little bit weak, especially on that side and just, just in general, that back line, which, which we had talked about. And I think that part is definitely what was a little bit um, nervy. That was the most <laughs> nervy about that whole game. Yeah. And I think if anything, you can maybe ask, okay, why didn't Max bring in Sandro? Because the three Brazilians have been solid 
especially down that stretch going into the uh, going into the World Cup break. Why not bring him in and just shore up that back if it's looking shaky and susceptible? That is a criticism you could make and a question you could ask. Um, but ultimately, again, I think player execution is what uh, hurt us most. Let's get to man of the match before we get into the aftermath, Allegri and everything. So Lex and live chat, of course, who is your man of the match in this game? Ooh, see, this is a tough one. I spent some time thinking about this this morning because I was like, oh, man, I'm really unsure. I think you guys know I always tend to lean towards attackers. That's just the part of the game and team that I always focus on, given that's my favorite part of playing. Um, I would have to go with Miretti, I think, just from the chances that he generated in the first half. I think, of course, if he buried one of those, then it would have sealed the deal on him being man of the match however I would still have to go with him because I did really like what I saw from him in that first half and um, I'm hoping he gets his breakthrough soon so that's my pick I think I would also give Danilo a shout as well Danilo so Danilo was mine all right um and just for everybody because I see some challenges in the midfield there um saying Rabio was best in second half I think his passing percentage was 75 percent okay um, and he came in for 23 minutes and I was given the benefit of the doubt to the guys that came in for the 20 minutes or whatever. Okay. We uh, like, I'm, I'm telling you, um, like I said, Paredes came out with a hundred percent passing, but 21 minutes. And if you looked at those passes, I would have completed all 11 of them. Okay. So I'm not counting the subs with the 20 minutes there. Okay. We technically had no midfielders with 8%. Danilo, for me, was man of the match. Um, this guy, and again, we talked about the news coming out today. He is close to his extension uh, with Juventus. Uh, I'm starting to get feelings around this fan base that are uh, a little interesting when it comes to it. Um, and uh, we'll talk about this and Danilo. But for me, he was man of the match. I thought he was solid. And uh, his side, uh, there was very little coming from that side um, that Danilo was uh, covering and whatnot, him and Bremer continue to do uh, fantastic work with Gatti. I'm not concerned again. He needs reps. He needs minutes. It's just like Sule and the wingback position. Um, hey, if he's going to get minutes and that's where it's got to be, it'll get better with time. Okay. So we'll tackle that Milik with the goal. Yeah. He could definitely be there because he broke the game for us. All right. So we got uh Milik Milik um, the goal Milik. We got deep back with Danilo there. So yeah, there you go. It seems to be there. Uh, Lockdelli coming in here saying Danilo Sule or Milik um, or even Rabio for winning the free kick. And, uh, there was a definite spark there uh, in the second half that wasn't there in the first. And you could definitely tie it into uh, some of those um, substitutions. Chiesa looks good. He looks very explosive. Um, so I'm very, very excited for him to just continue to get back into the fold. Looks very, very strong there. Um, I'm going to get back to what I was getting into with Danilo. And I'm going to tie this in with the youngsters, which is going to be our next kind of topic of discussion. I'm starting to get it's it's just it's funny because we want so much and we ask for so much 
And when a player gives us almost everything that we ask for, it's still not good enough. And that's the feeling I get with Danilo. It blows me away because people nitpick, criticize, and tear each word a player says in a press conference or whatever down, down to the T. I want Grinta. Danilo gives you that. I want a Bianconero has always said the right words in the right moments. Um, we need a leader leads the team on the pitch, not only with words, but by his actions. Um, consistent, consistent, man. These guys are band-aids always fit, always healthy. Danilo checks off everything, but because he's not a flashy name, just doesn't get the respect that I think he's earned at his time here. If you look back to the first year Danilo played at Juventus and how awful it was, and you look at him now, that is a huge turnaround, a massive turnaround. Um, I think this guy needs to start getting more respect. Lex, what do you think? I'd have to agree. I mean, you referenced his first year. I'm pretty certain he turned off Instagram comments just from the amount of abuse he was receiving from fans. And I think that he never spoke out or acted out about that. He just put his head down and worked harder. And I think that there's not one player that has worked as hard as Danilo to earn the respect of the fans. And um, I think, as you mentioned, Al, he very much deserves that respect from us. Um, And, you know, as you were mentioning, he really has done everything for the team. Like, you need a regista oh he'll play there too like even that is just his flexibility in terms of um his ability to play different positions i think the role that he plays the level-headedness he brings to the team i think he's definitely earned um he's earned his his um his role on the team right now for sure yeah absolutely absolutely gatano uh, is asking a question i'm gonna let you know we will get to this one we will get to this one on medetti okay um yeah, the Danilo thing, like for me, he's like a flashback to the old school days of guys that played wherever you needed them to, wherever you wanted to, and they bled for the black and white. He's a throwback to me of those days, those days of the names that maybe weren't so flashy, but were absolute monsters, you know, like the Pesotos, the Takinardis and whatnot of the old school era. Like for me, he's a flashback to that. And um, you, can, we had so many of those guys back in the day. And, uh, you know, like, I think back if we had uh, Twitter rolling during that time and whatnot, were people going to shit talk Takinardi and uh, Pesolta and whatnot? Like, no, no, maybe, maybe. But uh, today's day and age, um, I just don't see Danilo as a problem, yet he continues to not get the respect. Uh, I think he's earned very much so um allegri so like i was uh, referring to uh, earlier on a lot of talk about allegri and why is chiesa playing at right wing back and you know look at his substitutions look at all this i laid it out again i don't see anything max did that was wrong okay 
And I'll back this up and I'll get into it all. But again, I just saw a team that was rusty from a break, had makeshift uh, positions and stuff. And it was, a, it was a grind. It was a grind. Ultimately, we should have had more goals in there and whatnot. At the back, you could maybe say, like I said, why didn't he choose to shore up the back line earlier and solidify what was looking very shaky uh, at moments? But again, it ultimately came from our errors and turnovers. We had so many unforced turnovers. It was a major problem. But Allegri playing Chiesa right wing back and whatnot. What's your thoughts on Allegri in this one? Do you put, do you criticize him uh, for this one and the fact that we had to grind out a 1-0 win to Cremonese? Or are you more on the fact of the execution side of things? Where do you stand on that one, Lex? Um, I think I definitely agree with you on the execution fact um, in terms of players just being a little bit off. I think I just think specifically of that one pass from Locatelli that just went straight out. Like, just went, like, just not even near anyone, just tried to ping it and it just went out for a throw in. So I definitely think that was present. However, in terms of like talking about Max, it depends like where your expectations with Max lie. Like for me, that was, that was nothing outside of the usual, the norm with Max. And I think that if I want to look at that game as maybe just as an example of a larger problem, then you definitely could. I think I'd agree with you, Alex. I don't think there's anything specific to that game that you can really put on Max. But I just think that overall, which I know you and I talk about a lot and both agree on, just overall in terms of our our team's approach and identity, like we, we always talk about that. You know, I, even yesterday's game, I just looked at the lineup. and I know there's injuries and whatnot, and it's just like – it's quite a mishmash of players with a mishmashed idea, like for lack of better words. And I'm still lost when I look at our team play in terms of like what exactly we want to do when we're on the field. But like I said before, that's just part of the bigger problem overall, which we're aware of. So I think like to point, maybe that wasn't the game yesterday to kind of, um, you know, hang up your criticism for Max on, but was it indicative of the bigger problem that we've been dealing with all season? Yes, I do think it was because, I mean, struggling to score against Cremonese's side, especially one that's as like poor as that one and needing a 90th minute free kick goal to seal that win. Like that's definitely not what we want to see because like it'll be found out. And we saw that in our Champions League campaign this year. We see that like better teams will figure that out against us. Yeah, but I don't put us needing a 90th minute goal again on Max. Like that's the players out there. They had, we talked about the opportunities were there to punish Cremonese. Like they were there. Passes, like he's not physically out there making those passes. He's not the one taking those shots. He's not the one making the decisions in the attacking sequences. So for me, I look at it like this, like the coach guides the team he establishes his formation he gives the game plan he lays the setup from there if it's failing if we didn't generate anything that's a different story okay you need a 90th minute you barely created what no we didn't barely create against them we had 19 opportunities that's just the opportunities we took there's more attacking sequences on top of that possession we had 55, 56% possession. We won the possession battle. We didn't surrender possession. 
uh, again, Cremonese was coming back at us from turnovers. Um, they did little in their own buildup. I think I can only think of maybe two sequences that were legitimately from them building up on us. Um, but outside of that, it was it was a counter game. You had two teams mirroring each other in a three five two, and um, if it were not for our turnovers, I think Cremonese would have got very very little. I, I I'd really put this one more on the players, to be honest. Okay, um, not Max. And to elaborate even more on this and why Case is right wing back and all this. Let's break it down a little bit more, and this will give you more insight as to why I'm not choosing this one to criticize Max. He brought in Chiesa and Keane at the same time. Milik, if you watch this game, was actually occupying almost two guys every time. Okay, so he was actually drawing a lot of attention. Bringing in Keane should, in theory, also take more attention bringing in Chiesa what did you see the second Chiesa entered there Chiesa actually got a ton of 1v1 uh, opportunities to break in there and get into the area because they were marking Milik very very strongly and then Keane entered as well so he brought in a second striker took out Moretti, which was an extra midfielder that we didn't need because we were already winning the majority of possession. So there was no sense in keeping an extra midfielder. So he went to the three, brought in a second striker. Chiesa as right wing back, sure, maybe we don't want him as a right wing back because of the defensive duty that's there. But it actually triggered a lot of 1v1s initially once Chiesa entered there and he was able to do what he does best and take guys on and generate. So it actually made a lot of sense to me when I'm watching that and why Max would do that. If we can get out of this Chiesa as right wing back thing in our head, it made sense playing that out. And I actually could see why he did it later on in the game. Like I said, Chiesa ended up actually roaming and whatnot and was still finding space and areas to do damage and whatnot. So I don't, again, I just don't blame Max in any way, shape, or form for us needing a 90th minute uh, winner. Um, this team wasn't set up to fail against Cremonese. Like, we were we were there. We were there. Like I said, it's it comes down to players and executing everything. Now I'm going to tie this in with the young players. We can't all want young guys to get all these minutes and everything and then not have the patience to let them gain that experience and take some of the lumps that come with it. Execution being one of them. Okay. Execution is one of them. There's opportunities there. There's sequences there. This game should have been put to rest earlier for Juventus. And I'm not blaming the young guys, but I'm just saying, it comes time when the guys that are on the pitch need to take a bit more of the weight of responsibility. And in this match against Cremonese, they should have. They should have. The coach did not put them in any hindering uh, areas, in my particular opinion. Okay? If we want to talk about everything else, we want to talk about 
Champions League or why it's not amounting to anything else and it's a bit of a mishmash or whatnot, he might change things up once he has everybody healthy and fit. But, but we haven't been as, we haven't been as solid in preventing goals statistically, even if it looked like it did yesterday, statistically, since we went to the 3-5-2. So it still brings up this big, big question. Do you go out of the 3-5-2? I, I'm not so necessarily sure that I do that. But Lex? I was going to say the only thing about that is that I still think that our attack is built for three at the front. Like, I still feel that we just have so many of our attackers that are best as natural wingers in a front three or wide strikers that I find it hard to, like, believe that we'll never make it to a front three. So I think, like, that's the only thing that's holding me back right now about the 3-5-2. And I like the three-man midfield of the 3-5-2. I like the three at the back because we have that fullback issue. It kind of covers that up. But I just still struggle with that i think that we're still built for a front three like look at the guys we have di maria chiesa sule um keen even can play in that spot as well wide striker role like i just think that we have the guys that are built best for that but um so then there's just you know you can toss around other ideas um three four three then you you've less coverage in the middle. You're moving away now from the midfield triangle. Maybe you like the double pivot better. But I, I agree with you, Al. I think that the three five two has been working. We are on a, a good run of form in the league with it. Like that that can't be argued. So it's definitely tough. But I wanted to ask you about what you thought about that. I still think that we're built for a front three in the attack. Well, here's the thing: is like. I, and we were talking about this uh, before the break and we were talking about, you know, switching it up once guys get healthy and whatnot, if that ever happens uh, at Juve. But uh, hopefully it does soon, everybody. Um, look, I, I I don't really know. I don't I don't really know if I'm being 100% honest if I switch out of 3-5-2. And the reason is, hey, we all dream of, you know, Di Maria, Vlaovic, Chiesa up top shredding, right? I can't help but think about the fact that sometimes even in a 3-5-2 that floods the midfield, we surrender a lot in terms of possession and it can hurt in some not. If we're going 4-3-3 trying to be more top heavy, are we going to be able to hold the ball even less? Are we going to even hold the ball enough to be able to feed these guys and build up with these guys and actually and actually threaten because the 352 since we've implemented it has actually helped us balance between defense and attack the best we've seen this season. So I'm not I'm not 100% sold on doing the 433 and if it's a matter of just getting everybody in for the sake of getting everybody in I'm still not down. And the reason is because Di Maria is only around for one more season, or like the rest of this year. And then he's gone anyways. Right now, at this point in time, 
Um, we really got to start thinking long term and what this team's going to do and how we want to build and how these guys we want we want to integrate them and whatnot. Um, the midfield being key and Miretti, I I like that idea of having an attacking mid, having an extra body in the midfield, having your wing backs that can support the attack and get involved. Kostic has been excellent this season. Um, on the right side, Quadrado's let us down offensively, but he's done good defensively. Yesterday, you saw what having somebody uh, dangerous in the attack can do. It just didn't fall for Sule, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. my God, it looked great. And then Chiesa, Chiesa didn't miss a beat when he came in there. And he even had the willingness to get in there. Because this guy's ready to die. He's ready to die out there for the stripes. And I love Kiesa's effort. Getting back on that to help Locatelli and shut down that odd man rush, huge. That's how you win and lose games. That's how you drop points, and that's how you gain points. I don't think, I think going into formation, going into all this, I think if we go 4-3-3, we're going to be top heavy. I get nervous about the balance of play. I really, really do. I really, really do. And then, like, as you mentioned, Kiaz and Sule exploring those spaces from that right wing back role. Imagine them further up, too, and just getting in those areas even more often, right, with minus, like, the extra defensive duties. But I but I agree. You do raise a good point about that, about us having found the best balance in that 3-5-2. And it's, it's interesting because I think that with, like, Pogba back and Kiaz back, I think this team – at its core, was built for a 4-3-3 with some of those players that were supposed to be our mainstays in our in the core of our team, but due to injury and other circumstances haven't been. So yeah. it's kind of interesting that we've like stumbled upon this weird 3-5-2 in the midst of it all, right? And using kind of young players, filling them in in different roles, having players, I think Lorenzo mentioned in the comments, play roles over positions. Yeah, the the other thing is also the three the three five two that we play is so um, just against the grain in terms of what typical three five twos do with two base midfielders and one attacking. Mm-hmm. We actually have we still utilize a regista with three center backs, and it's weird. It's weird to still use a regista and then have two actual Metzal's advancing and whatnot. And even if you want to criticize Max yesterday and whatnot, a simple switch of making two base yesterday and advancing one centrally, which in turn would have given Milik a little bit more support because Moretti could have played higher up and assisted him, or you could introduce Keane earlier. Even a simple system change like that could go a long way. So the way we play the 352 it gives me kind of like this weird, uh, my OCD kind of goes nuts when I look at it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, this is just bizarre. Right? Like typically if you're using Regista and whatnot, it back four, he becomes like a third center back defensively when you take your shape and move outwards. So when you have a three, five, two, naturally your guy at the heart of the D does that role. And then you have two base midfielders. It just makes sense when you're looking at, uh, patterns, passing lanes and everything to like to give yourselves as many options as possible when one of your players has a ball it's weird it's weird to me how we do it however i'm worried about the balance am i against going in a 4-3-3 i mean 
no, I'm not scared to change or anything. And I mean, we have attacking talents and if they are ever all fit and we have the opportunity, Hey, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's go. Um, but right now when we're looking at everything as a whole back four, I, I don't know, like the back line was on fire. And it's like, when you're, when you have question marks and you're transitioning and you're trying to build something up, when you find things that work, it seems strange to go away from them. Doesn't it? Like it, it's like if the back three's good, even Sandro has found a home and we're comfortable and we have, and we haven't even talked about him, you know, uh, or being liability or issue or not. Do we want to go away from that? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, right? So it's going to be an interesting one to follow and see what Max does as guys get healthy. Again, when we start to look at um, fitness, well, 20 days seems to be the magic uh, number right now. Uh, Pogba and Vlaovic all around 20 days. So fingers crossed. We'll see. Di Maria should be coming in um, for Udinese. So let's see. Let's see what ends up happening and what max will do ricardo he doesn't want to wait bring in zidane bring him now <laughs> there you go look one thing's for sure anyway we slice it whatever a win is a win seven points after uh napoli dropped what have i been telling everybody you could fire up that hashtag and get it going right now if you want spalletti effect will <laughs> come into place all right and we have to play napoli twice still yes yes now away, two wins i mean everyone looks at this game and instantly like napoli would kill us napoli would kill us napoli would kill us hey we max got a couple he got the big win that we needed against inter um Let's see what will happen when we play them, okay? Um, these games change. They change with the players we have on the pitch and everything like that. Um, I'm thinking, McKenny, we've seen enough that Max won't uh, continue to just go back to this guy. Whether we're trying to showcase him or not, bottom of the, bottom of the list for me, McKenny. Bottom of the list. Um, I would not have him starting anywhere near big games, but... That's just me. Storm the barn. Get your storm the barn questions in. Okay, we've got time to uh, tackle some of them. We're going to go back to uh, some of these other ones earlier. And uh, Gatano's got one here. And it's, what do you think of Miretti? Why doesn't he play as midfield? Well, he does. He's just in an advanced role and not in that uh, base three anymore. But... How do you feel about Moretti and his performances and everything? Lex, you spoke about him earlier and you were quite uh, happy with him and whatnot. Um, I have no problems with him and how he's playing. Yeah, but. I've agreed. I like him. I think that um, it's definitely his, his um, youth and inexperience is showing. I think he's one of the younger out of the youngsters. I believe he's, what, two years younger than Fajoli? I think so, yeah. I think so, And, I mean, at that age in two years, and that's a lot of – Playtime and experience. Yeah. And Fajoli had an entire season with Cremonese at Serie B last season, right? So I think it's like important to keep that in mind that he is quite, um, quite honestly, the definition of a youngster. And I think he offers us something different and dynamic and attack. He's fun to watch. Um, I definitely think that, you know, he's one of that core group 
um, and crop of youngsters that the club has shown to have faith in, especially they held that press conference for them. And these are guys that they look like they want to build um, and look to the future with. So, I mean, I like him so far. I don't have any, yeah. any complaints in that regard. And it's two years, uh, Fajoli being 21, Midetti being 19. Um, it's funny. I was looking it up. Every time I put Fajoli in there, just get a picture of beans on Google there. But uh, yeah, we got uh, Fajoli 21, Midetti 19. That's even a big difference uh, on its own, right? Like you were saying. But I have no issues with uh, Midetti. And if we look to why, like the why, why is Max doing this? Why? Well, again, just help out the attack. And Miretti, he he does well. He gets in so many like if you're looking statistically at the contributions and whatnot, like I said, they're not there. But if you watch him mm -hmm. play, he gets into great areas. His execution at times, yeah, you can criticize like the passing's just not where it needs to be, and he's missed targets and whatnot. But honestly, um, it's right there. And Max said in his presser yesterday that. He chose, he opted that route in terms of ball retention. He wanted ball retention against uh, Cremonese and whatnot. And that's why he opted. And also to keep a striker on the bench for later is why he opted for Moretti over Keane. But even if you put Moretti in your main three midfielders, there's not an issue there either because he was doing that earlier before we switched to that 3 5 2 and everything. And then Max decided to shift him a little bit higher. And it actually helped the midfield too because it's been great. When we had Rabio, Locatelli, Fagioli, and Meretti was the one advancing, great stuff. Great, yeah. great stuff. It's finding things that work and building off them and moving forward. Um, but we might throw it all out the window once the big guns come in. And, uh, hey, it's anybody's guess how that goes uh, after that. We will wait and see. Storm the Barn, you guys are going nuts right now. So let's get to uh, some of these lacks. And I want to remind everybody, if you could take a second just to like the video, it would be fantastic. Of course, subscribe if you're new here and whatnot. All right. Let's keep uh, the AJC Army growing. So we had one earlier, and this came in from uh, Joseph uh, Rantazzo. What do you make of the news of Liverpool not retaining Arthur? We have him on the books until 2025. I don't think there's a lot to make out of that, Alex. Like, he's... It's just going to be coming back, and I think immediately he wanted out as well. Mm -hmm. So it has to be noted, right? Um, it's going to be very difficult to find a sale for Artur, but uh, he's going to want out. So Juve's, I just fully anticipate there being this carousel of us trying to uh, find him a home. Not much to say, but we can use this as a talking point. What about Zakaria that's come up a lot recently in discussions and – how do you feel if he returns and we utilize him as Rabio's replacement if we cannot find a renewal with Rabio? Ooh, I still think I'd like someone else as Rabio's replacement just because I just was not convinced entirely by Zakaria when he was here. Just in terms of like his ability, his inability to um, progress play out of the first phase, just his ball retention and um, passing abilities, I felt were like underwhelming in terms of like what we need for that type of midfielder. I feel like Rabiot is a lot stronger in that regard. I think that would be like a bit of a lopsided switch. Huh. Interesting. In my Interesting. 
Yeah, I feel like Zakaria wasn't given a, a fair shake. And I feel like we were trying to do the same thing with Zach that we were do that we are doing with McKenny. And it's just like trying to make him something he technically isn't rather than utilizing him as he is best, right? So I'm I'm open. I'm open to Zakaria coming back and utilizing him in a Rabio-esque role in the midfield if we can't find that renewal for Rabio. And I guess, hell, let's get to it. If it comes down to same salary for Rabio and just boosting bonuses, say he agrees, yes or no, Lex? What's he making right now? <laughs> Seven mil, and then we just up the bonuses to keep him. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's a hypothetical. He's pretty reliable. He's been playing better. I mean, if we're going to get this version that we've got the last, like, six months, maybe. I just don't – I don't think he will. But I think – I honestly – I think we renew him for what he's asking at the end. I think we end up doing that. I honestly do. Which is, what, 10 mil or whatever much he's asking? I – bookmark this we'll come back to it al we will be doing that (laughs) calister in january no no it'll never be january and i you know even in summer would be uh difficult would not uh really we'd have to find some sales they'd have to end up going really cheap at fullback um but in january absolutely not no uh McAllister though hey I'd I'd like McAllister to be honest um I really really would but uh I know that a lot of people were uh saying no to me on that one but it's all good it's all good McAllister yes or no would you would you like him to join Lex I haven't seen enough of him yet I honestly haven't watched beyond the world cup like closely of him. So I don't know world cup tax right now. Yes. But I'd like to see him a bit more this next half of the season. I don't think we'll get him in January, but see him at Brighton and then make up my mind. Yeah. Well, I was with the Derby there and the Derby good track record. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Thoughts from Jeremiah. Rabio will renew. We need him in this team. Agreed. We don't need to stretch ourselves to keep him, I say. Um, if Rabio goes, we will be just fine. That's my personal opinion. I agree. And I think that is a massive credit to uh, the young guys and what they've done in the midfield. We would just have to find that big physical presence role in the middle of the park. But to stretch ourselves beyond our means for Rabio, don't need to do that. Will Rabio renew? I think there's a 5% chance he renews. I really, really do. I think a team will pay him much more, um, if I'm being honest. So I don't think he's going to renew. I don't think he will renew. Am I tweaking? Or we have the most and best youngsters in all of Europe. Well, can't speak to all of Europe. But I will say this, it's the best I can ever think of at Juve mm-hmm. for how much young quality we have. Um, we've been praising a lot the work of Cherubini and we're starting to see it this year. And I said, it's, you know, 
Lex, you'll remember all this uh, discussion that was on social media and everything about people not understanding Juve's project, right? Because they make these signings of like Pogba and Di Maria and whatnot and bring in Paredes and Rovella goes out on loan and whatnot. But yesterday on the Match Day Live, Omar, myself and Anth, we were talking about it and saying, look, if you don't see what's going on, I mean, it's really only in your hands because Juve made a statement that they were not going to renew anybody. Eileen Jr. started to gain interest immediately. What did Juve do? They went out and locked him up. Okay, mm-hmm. so Eileen Jr. extension. Um, Sule is being granted his wish to stay and fight for minutes. Barbieri extended. Houston about to be extended. Um, it's they're making a commitment. They're with this thing. They're moving. You've got Fajoli. You've got Medetti um, involved, integrated. Rovella should be coming back into the mix next season. Um, there's talks about Cambiasso. It's uh, next season for returning. Make no mistake about it. Like whether we integrate all of them or not, even just having all of this talent that you can sell, you know, um, and then it'll get investigated for the amount that you sell it for. But um, regardless, this is still a massive, massive positive. It's one of the best problems to have. And we spoke a lot about it yesterday. And this is Juve finally realizing like, hey, we got away from things for a while there. We were going for these flash signings, these big signings. We were overextending ourselves and whatnot. That's never been Juve. Juve moved smart, uh, reasonable pricing, whatnot. They started to get a little bit on tilt. Um, But hey, now with young guys that you can integrate that are proving that they can... um, support and play a role this is huge this is huge lex your thought on the whole youngster thing and this little bit of a shift at juve i mean i agree with what you said al about how juve used to operate um traditionally in terms of finding hidden gems finding hidden talents i mean look at pogba and just and also you know being able to use these players um moving smartly because like to be honest to compete with the, you don't have the payroll and the bankroll of the big clubs, the big Premier League clubs. And so in order to succeed and compete, this is typically the route that we've had to take. And so I think that getting back to that with the youth project, with um, probably hopefully some better scouting in terms of picking up players for good prices that are good talents, I think that we can get back to that into what made the club successful in the first place, like you're saying. And as the comment mentioned out um, about the, the youth project, I do think that we have one of the strongest youth projects. And I think it's totally flying under the radar because, you know, we're not Barcelona's academy or something. But I definitely think that um, once we get the right people behind it, which I still think we need a different coach to get the best out of that, which is a different topic. But once we get that, and I think we start making a name for ourselves again in the Champions League um, and in Europe, I think people will start to see that and we'll see the talent that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Who's the best signing so far and why? Good question. Um, Like this year? I guess who's been our best signing so far and why Ooh, I probably have to go with Bremer I'd have to agree I think there's a lot of discussion about that I saw on Twitter recently in the last few days and as someone pointed out like he's been playing so well that they forgot that Delict even left yeah it'd be really really hard to uh 
say that it isn't uh, Bremer. Um, now, I I had to choose. It's Bremer. It's Bremer, no question. However, this next one's very interesting, and he's worth a shout for sure, and that's Milik. Okay? So now we're going to get to this one, which is thoughts from Jeremiah. Milik has more impact on this team than Vlaovic. Dollar for dollar. Milik is gold. So all signs point to Milik uh, being uh, purchased outright. Eight mil. Uh, he's no no doubt uh, had an impact. Um, we know the screw job we had in that one game on his goal where apparently VAR doesn't notice that there's a whole extra 10 yards at uh, the edge of the sideline there. Um, but um, Milik's had an impact, no doubt. Has he had more impact? on this team than Vlaovic. Well, Lex? Fawns <laughs> <laughs> it off to me. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeremiah coming in with the controversial questions here. So Jeremiah <laughs> might be trying to get me all fired up again like I was a couple shows ago because I did uh, really open up on Vlaovic. I'm frustrated, and when we talk about injuries and everything that's going on, I said I'm more frustrated out of all of them with Vlaovic's situation because of the fact that when he returned to us, he couldn't even train in full with the team, but he was with Serbia training full during a World Cup every single day, and then, of course, playing with them and whatnot, and then he came back. He's immediately on the shelf for us. So I was like, what the hell is going on? He was elite. He was training in full there. He returns with us. He's got personalized programming, not even training full. And we've got concerns with a hernia potentially like what is going on here? So that situation frustrates me the most as far as impact on this team. It's I think if you're going for immediate impact, it's pretty damn close. It's pretty damn close. And it's tough because Vlaovic hit and there was this swagger that kind of came with it. We just got this young gun, you know, now we got the striker, but then the play that kind of followed and ensued didn't really boost up. He's scoring goals. He's making contributions. His rate is actually good, but then it kind of died down. Then we got frustrated. This start to the season, frustrating poor right even if he's scoring here and there poor poor results and everything like attitude everything just down but then we do the retiro start to try and kind of come back the team bonds together and he's got a bit of an attitude shift trying to pick players up trying to come back trying to help the one thing with Vlaovic that I will say this, even though I do have criticisms and he can't ultimately be outplayed by Milik, who cost us 10 total after loan, he can't be outplayed by Milik. And right now, our saving grace for Vlaovic has been the service discussion, yet it hasn't been an issue for Milik or even Keane for that matter when Keane hit stride. Vlaovic needs to get the job done and he needs to get to business. Um, he's got areas of his game he has to improve on and he really has to improve on um, just as Keane does and whatnot. But he cannot be outplayed by the others. He's been signed for a large sum of money. He has to be the guy. 
It's a lot of pressure. He's still a young player, still a young guy, still has to grow, still a lot to be there. However, um, the impact ultimately, very, very close, and it can't be. I give Vlaovic the benefit of the doubt, though, because since we found a rhythm and stride, he hasn't been available to us. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt for that. I want to see Vlaovic now that we've got the midfield balanced out and we are generating more than we were previously. Now I want to see Vlaovic in the mix before fully judging. And then we'll get back to this question. Lex? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think that's really important to point out. I think the context matters in this situation. I think the team was in a different um, state when we had Vlaovic available to us. It's almost like the two didn't correlate very well. Whereas, like Al said, since we caught our stride and we've been playing better, creating more chances, he hasn't been at our disposal. So I think once we're able to have him there, then we can compare I think more realistically. I also think it has to lie with expectations, right? I think that expectations for Vlaovic are here. Expectations for Milik were relatively low. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit too that like I I did not see this type of impact coming from Milik at all. And it's been more of like the pleasant surprise reaction. Whereas I think Vlaovic came in having found all that success at Fiorentina, he came in with huge expectations for us. Like he was going to like basically carry this team because that's who we were looking for, right? So I think that's another um, part of it as well, is just looking at the expectations, which are different for each player. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, all comes down to the fact he's still young. Yeah, He's still young. This is the first big club he's been at. And uh, hey, we're going to see... We're going to see what he's made of, but the benefit of the doubt will remain with him that he wasn't in there once we kind of hit stride, found rhythm. So let's see. Let's see. And that's another reason. It's another reason why I wouldn't jump to the 4-3-3 immediately until I see this midfield with Vlaovic actually spearheading. So let's keep that. Let's keep that up uh, there. Everybody. That wraps it up for today. It's been a great, great show. Um, the live chat, you guys are amazing as always. Okay, I remind you, like the video. Do not forget um, for to kick things off, our merch. Everybody's loving the eGolby uh, merch, okay? So it's got the AJC Custom Ultras uh, logo in as the O. Everything on our merch store is 23% off to kick things off in 2023, and that'll be like that for the next four days. So... Check things out. We got some Chiesa designs in there, a ton of Del Piero stuff. Viali for a legend. We brought back the Viali designs there, okay, as he continues his fight. Guys, there you go. Um, like the video. Subscribe if you're new here. And don't forget, obviously, we keep things rolling into the weekend. We will do a match day live Saturday morning, and then I'm going to run the first watch along of the season. So I'll be uh, covering the action for you against Udinese. And uh, it's my Saturday morning, taking a little bit of time from the fam. So, Juve, don't disappoint me. Don't disappoint me. Udinese will be a tough one. But everybody, fino alla fina. It is not done. Seven points. I said Juve is going to make things interesting in the second half. I believe they will. Always, always account for the Spalletti effect, everybody. Okay? Hashtag Spalletti effect. Juve's not done yet. We were talking about this in the green room. And I want to get everybody's thoughts because Omar and myself and Ant, we all started thinking about it. 
we might have to start recording our actual green rooms and maybe make that uh, footage and coverage available for people as some extra videos and whatnot, because the green room gets hilarious. But everybody, if you want the green room sessions, we can even add some videos to YouTube of green room session. It gets pretty funny in there. But uh, the mustache, everybody, hey, this stays. So yesterday, you can thank this mustache for the victory. I'm telling you, that is the reason Cremonese hit post. That's the reason they couldn't find a goal. And it's the reason we found one. Okay. So the mustache stays. How much longer does this thing stick around for? We'll see. But there are superstitious Juventini that follow me that said, you cannot get rid of the mustache. Hey, I'm following suit. Okay. This thing's not going anywhere until we actually drop a match. And I'll be damn happy if I don't have to get rid of this thing until uh, summer. Okay. So let's go. Keep it all season. There you go. There you go. Everybody, we'll talk about green room sessions and everything, but we'll see you at the weekend. Enjoy the rest of your days. I'll be back with uh, the daily uh, news videos, okay? And uh, there you go. Razzle saying, use the green room clips. Content is content. There you go. We'll keep her We'll keep her going. One of the questions we started having fun with the green room yesterday was, who's the best footballer out of everybody at the AJC? Ooh. 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 I don't know. I brought up a little discussion. Anthony got a little uh, defensive there, you know, based on level he played. I'll say this. Nobody hits a dead ball like the gaffer. Okay, <laughs> Free kicks. That's me all day. Everybody, enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you on the weekend. Thank you again uh, for a great show. Lex, amazing show. Amazing show. Thank great you. job. We will see you all on the weekend. All right. Get ready for Udinese. Everybody was ready to dance on Juve's grave. Not so fast. Not so fast. Fino alla fine. Forza Juve. Ciao a tutti.